Well, so good to see all of you again. It is always a joy to, to be back in God's house and to be back in his pulpit to, to open God's word. And I think most of you know by now, all of you do, I count this an honor and a privilege to, to be able to do this with you. Uh, you know, God's been good. He's been so good. Uh, he, he is anointing our services. He's anointing our music. He's anointing the spoken word. He, he's been good. He is good. He always will be good. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Well, I, I'm starting to settle in a little bit about that, but uh, starting to settle in a little bit, getting a little bit of a routine going, and, uh, and things are going well. I, I have enjoyed um, doing what I'm doing. I get, I get a little more comfortable day in and day out, and uh, things are starting to click. But, you know, as, I, as I'm talking to you this morning and, and been talking with you here over the last couple of weeks, you know, I'm realizing more and more every day, now listen, more and more every day that God wants to do a great, great work right here. And I, he, he is itching to do that. He's ready to do it if we're ready to do that with him. And I know that he is. He's going to do it with or without us. So let's get on the bus and let's ride with him because he knows where he's going. And that's what we ought to do. I think he has an enormous plan for us. I think he has an enormous plan for Cornerstone Baptist Church. I think he wants to use all of us individually and collectively to accomplish whatever his plan is for us at this time. And I'm excited about that. I know he's got big plans. As I've said before, and I've said this the last two Sundays, I'll say it again today. We're here for a reason together at the same time. God has, has put us all in this same spot together for a certain time. And here's a statement for you. We're better together. So let's remember that. We're better together. Say that with me. We're better together. Let's seek, let's find, let's implement God's vision for us and seek revival break loose right here at Cornerstone. Now, if that don't excite you, I don't know what to tell you because that excites me and I get ready for God's revival in my life. And I hope He gives me revival in my life. He's going to give you revival through that. So pray for that. Pray for it. Look for it. It's coming. Over the past couple of months, we've been talking a lot around here about the future of our church with the transition and all of those things that have been going on and the vision concerning our church. We've also been talking over, especially the last couple of weeks, about our own personal vision and how God gives us that. And we have those as individuals and, and how collectively they help to make up what the church's vision is. So we've been focusing on a verse uh, in Proverbs, and this morning as we, as we recite this verse together, we want to do that together, I want you to stand with me and let's again honor the reading of God's word. And this is an important verse that's in the Bible. This is one that we should take to heart. This is one that we should commit to memory because it's that important that we know what God is trying to tell us in here. Say this with me. And let's use the screen. We're saying the same verse. Here we go. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Somebody say amen. 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 It's God's word this morning that we're delivering, God's word that we're listening to, and God's going to speak through it. Amen. amen. Father, thank you for the day. We thank you for this time that we have together to come and open your word. We just pray, Lord, that this verse of scripture will speak tons to us today as well as some other passages that we're going to look at today. We just pray, Lord, that you use it in a mighty way and we give it to all to you, knowing, Father, that you are going to use it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. Now, let's ask ourselves a few questions. 
Let's look down the road just a little bit. Ask yourself, you don't have to answer me aloud. I prefer that you didn't, actually. <laughs> Ask yourself these questions. Where will we be, write it down if you want to, where will we be in our relationships with Jesus Christ one year from today? Where will we be one year from today with our relationship from Jesus Christ? Here's another question for you. Will I be stronger in the Lord one year from today than I am today? There's a question for you. Will I be stronger in the Lord one year from today than I am right now? Another question. How will my Sunday school class that I currently go to, how will it be performing one year from today? How's my Sunday school class going to be going? Another question that relates to that. Am I growing spiritually? Am I growing spiritually through my Sunday school class in what I am learning in my Sunday school class one year from today? Last question. Well, not last question. I'm going to give you this question, then I got one more. <laughs> Two to go. Is my Sunday school class not only growing spiritually, but growing numerically? Those two things coincide, don't they? When you start growing spiritually, you're going to start growing numerically. So one year from today, is that going to be happening? And then finally, with my particular ministry or our ministries as a whole, will they be well on their way to developing into what God wants for us by this time next year? Are we going to be on the right track heading to what God has for us one year from now. So ask yourself this question as well. And this is the most important one, and I separated it for a reason. Will I have, ask yourself, will I have a closer walk with Jesus Christ one year from today than I have right now? That's important to ask yourself. That's important to know. Does it matter? Of course it matters. We have to make sure we're on the right track, seeking the vision that God has for us to put us on the right track, focusing on what it is that he has for us. We should be very far along in that process at the end of a year, God willing. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Future thinking. Forward thinking. God is trying to give every Christian a vision for their own spiritual life. Listen, God wants to give every person in this room this morning forward-thinking vision for the future. Now, how am I going to back that up, Steve? What, what, am I, what are we talking about? Well, there's many in God's Word that I can think of right off the top of my head that had incredible vision. When you think about who they were, what they went through, how they obtained it, they had incredible vision. I think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. God gave him vision through his wife. Through his dreams. God knew exactly how he wanted to lay his vision on him, so he did it through his dreams. I also think of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and 10 tells us that he waited for his vision. Now I want to read this. Let's go there if we can, Doug. We put this up there, Hebrews. Did I put it in there? There it is. All right, read this with me. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. 
Even, you don't have to say it with me. I like it, but just read it with me. <laughs> Amen. Y'all fired up this morning. You ready to go? Let's, I'm going to start that verse again. My goodness. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9 says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him on the same promise. For he was looking forward, listen, have you heard that somewhere today? He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is who? Is God. God Almighty. Listen, folks, this is a great example of what vision is. He lived in tents. He lived in what he considered to be a foreign country. He didn't know anybody. He didn't know anything about what it was that God's vision was, but he knew he had the vision, and he knew it was his responsibility to follow the vision. So that's what he did. He moved over there. Such a great example. He knew, Abraham knew that there was something for him. He knew, like we should know, that God has a place for him. Thinking what? Forward. He knew that God was the architect. The scripture tells us the architect and the builder. And with him, it had to be perfect. So he endured what he had to endure while reaching his vision. He lived in tents. He lived in what was referred to as feeling like a foreign country. He sought after that solid foundation that only God could give, and so should we. Abraham's not the only one. Joseph's not the only one. Noah also had a vision, didn't he? Noah did. We don't have to think very hard to remember the children's Bible story about Noah and the ark. It comes back to mind just like that because we've heard it so often. But let me tell you, folks, today, this is so much more than a children's Bible story, this story of Noah and the ark. This is an incredible reminder of how God uses vision, obedience, and faith to accomplish his will. Now, now think about this with me. Through the hundred years that it took Noah to build this vessel or this, this floating box that they were in, Certainly Noah and his family would have grown tired, wouldn't they? Certainly they would have. Manual labor. We all get tired. There would have been periods of frustration, uh, frustration just trying to fulfill this vision that God had given him. There were people mocking him. There were people spitting on him. They were ridiculing him. They were testing every fiber of his being, yet he continued on until he reached the vision that God had given him. Now, there's many others. Think with me. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a vision. Paul was given vision. Every godly person that we see in the Bible, when we get right down to it, had some sort of sense of vision. They all had large, enormous visions. Now, listen, not a one of them took on an attitude that a mediocre walk with God was good enough. Not a one. Not a one of them said that a ho-hum attitude toward vision was good enough because it's not. Listen, we must be energized by who? The Holy Spirit. We must continue to dream big dreams for God. Let me tell you this morning, we said it in a song this morning, nothing is too big for God, nothing is impossible with God. Now the Apostle Paul demonstrates this further in his first letter over to the people of Corinth. His vision, of course, as we know, was to minister to everyone so that he could save some, right? Turn, let's look at that. Turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I think I may have this on there as well. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. 1 Corinthians is uh, in the New Testament. Right after the book of Acts, right before the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. 9, 19 to 23. Got it? Say I got it. All right, let's read together. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessing. Paul says here that he is free from all men. And, and this is a, a passage of scripture that I hear a lot. There's some misinterpretation of this passage of scripture we're going to try to clear this up today for you he says here that he's free from all men but yet he is what he's the servant of all men now how could this be because he was free paul was able to say to serve others and to set aside his own rights and to set aside his own desires for their sakes the apostle paul used a very strong statement in this portion of his letter, of, of, of the letter here to the people of Corinth. He said, I am free and I belong to no man. Now in the ancient world, if you remember, slavery was a big deal. A slave had little to no freedom. The masters of the slaves, they would dictate most of what the slaves did. When Paul noticed or when he actually noted his status of being free, he restated what was a truth. He, he was free, did not have to conform himself to others' preferences. But Paul voluntarily made himself a slave to everyone, despite the fact he was free. He gave up his own rights in order to serve other people. He did this to win as many as possible to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, let me address verse 22. Let's look at, at 22 here. I think that's on the screen as well. This little section in here that says, I have become all things to all people. You ever heard that verse used, that piece of scripture used? It's sad and it's unfortunate that this phrase, all things to all men, has been so often used out of context. It's been abused by uh, many who have, have tried to make it mean something other than what Paul intended it to mean. You see, Paul was not a chameleon who changed his message with every situation. That's not the kind of person he was. He didn't compromise. He didn't adjust his message to please a certain pod or a certain group of people. He didn't change that message to do that. you got to remember, he was a Jew. He had a burden for his own people, a huge burden. So Paul would go to a new city or a new place where the gospel had never, ever been preached. So if there was one, he would go straight to the synagogue. 
This is where he would go. He would go to the synagogue, and he would be very bold in his presentation of the gospel. And here's something else I like about Paul. If the Jews wouldn't listen to him, he'd start preaching to the Gentiles. Didn't matter to him. He just wanted to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what separated the Jews from the Gentiles in that day was the difference between what was the law and what was the covenants. Now, Paul, after his conversion, you remember that on the Damascus Road, he lived his life so as to not be offensive to the Jews or the Gentiles. Now, now he didn't flaunt his liberated spirit around to the Jews, and, and on the other side of that, he didn't shove the law down the Gentiles' throats. That's not the kind of guy he was. He was now, now, with that, was he being inconsistent? Do you think he was being inconsistent? No, not inconsistent at all. All he did was adapt his approach, not the gospel, he adapted his approach to the different groups. He did not have a generic sermon that fit all occasions. Wasn't a one-size-fit-all. It wasn't a cookie-cutter type effect. Now, for me, I, I can tell you this. When I have an opportunity to share the gospel, it's going to be a different presentation to a child rather than an adult. That's going to be two different presentations. Same gospel, two different approaches. A child's not going to be on the same level with an adult. Sometimes an adult's not going to be on the same level with a child. Hello, that was funny. <laughs> but it is going to be different presentations. It's also going to be a different presentation in a public place. And this is what I like about this. It was important to note here that Paul patterned his style of sharing the gospel to the example of Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus approached sharing the gospel. So let's, let's explore some of the contrast that Jesus used. How about Nicodemus? Let's talk about Nicodemus just a second. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus that night, he explained to him the difference between physical and spiritual birth. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, he explained to her the difference between water to physically drink and then living water that not only cleansed her thirst, but also her soul. And even as Jesus hung dying on a cross, he saved a criminal that was hanging next to him. So Jesus was flexible. Jesus was adaptable. Paul followed this example, and so should we. Neither Jesus or Paul had an evangelistic formula or a cookie-cutter way of doing things. Their situations changed, so they had to adapt to the correct presentation. I like this. This is profound. Write this down. It takes tact to have contact. Y'all didn't get that. It takes tact to have contact. Amen. We got to know our surroundings. We should never change the gospel. Never ever change the gospel. The gospel doesn't change. However, we must be flexible. We must be adaptable when we are sharing it. Now, the fact that Paul varied his behavior depending on his audience some people would say, well, that makes him a hypocrite. No, it doesn't. It's quite the opposite. He chose to become his audience. Listen to that. He chose to become his audience so that he could effectively minister to them. Our preferences should always be set aside for the greater good of Jesus Christ. Paul followed the example of Jesus and he humbled himself to become a servant of all people with hopes of winning some. Now, most of y'all know my brother Gary. And Gary at one time 
was a pastor of a, a traditional, well, many traditional churches. One was right here in Aiken over at Red's Branch and um, had uh, short hair, suit and tie and all of these type things. And uh, he pastored many different places like that. But God called him into a different type of ministry. And if you know anything about him, he's the pastor of Freedom Biker Church over in the valley. Well, as you know, his appearance has changed a little bit. A lot. That's not the ministry that God has called me to at this point. But for him, it was. And his whole attitude toward presentation had to change. One of the things that they told him, they, when he went to meet with the, the people that line all of that stuff up, I don't know who you talked to about that, but, but uh, they said, well, well um, Reverend Hannon, you know, what do you, what do you ride? And he said, well, I, I ride a, I don't remember what it was, I'm just going to say a Yamaha. And they said, nope. You can't ride a Yamaha and be a pastor of a biker church. you got to ride a Harley Davidson. Because if you don't ride a Harley Davidson, they're not going to take you seriously. And that sounds funny. But they live in a different niche. It's a different world. And that is how their presentation. So he had to change a lot of his whole lifestyle to be able to minister to these folks. He set aside what was comfortable for him and moved into something that was, I guess it's comfortable now. I mean, he looks the part to me, but, but you know, it's, it's just a different world for him. But see, as Christians, we should strive to be this way. We need to be, and listen, this is important. We need to be a people of sharp vision of where we're heading in our life. The gospel tells us about Jesus and provides us with, with detailed message. It doesn't hit around. It tells us exactly what it is that we're supposed to do to minister for Jesus Christ. We have detailed knowledge on the subject. Our relationship with God, and it helps to motivate us to do what's right in God's eyes. Listen, we need to start declaring victory in our own lives and finding our vision from the Lord. We need to sometimes stop our mouths from killing other people's visions. We must convince others that nothing, and we said it before, nothing is impossible with God. Listen, if a shepherd boy named David can grow up to be a king, he can give you vision. If a peasant girl named Esther can grow up to be a queen, he can give you vision. If the obedience of a young boy with a few fish and a couple of pieces of bread can feed thousands of people, my God is able and will give you vision if you seek it in his name. Amen. Zig Ziglar. Anybody familiar with Zig? Got a few hands. Zig is a, a motivational speaker. Is he still alive? He's got to have some age on him now. But he tells the story of a different motivational speaker. This guy would draw tremendous crowds and people would come to hear him motivate and speak at his conferences. He was so popular that he would charge a fee and, and I'm missing this somehow. His, his set fee was $30,000 to come and speak at one of these conferences. Each speech he gave, thirty grand. One day he was invited to be the, the keynote speaker at a conference for businessmen. For an illustration, I started to put one up, and I, I didn't do it. But he used a, a blackboard on a tripod and had one piece of chalk. So imagine that up here. Okay? Right in the middle of that blackboard, he took his chalk, and he placed one single dot right in the middle of the blackboard. You got that vision? You can see it with me? 
one solitary dot. So what he did is he looked into the front row and he asked one of the men sitting there, what do you see? The guy replied, I see a dot. So he proceeded to go around the room asking random listeners the same question, what do you see? Every listener replied with the same reply, I see a dot. Well, after he had asked the final person the same question with the same response, he told them, herein is your problem. I see exactly why you're struggling with vision for your companies. Every one of you that I asked had the same response. You all saw one little dot. Not a single one of you saw this large blackboard waiting for you with so much more to be written on it. Not a single one of you saw it that way. All you saw was a dot. He told them that their vision was small. They couldn't see the big picture. He charged them $30,000 for that, by the way. (laughs) But if they learned from it, I suppose it was worth it, right? This is a story that you might say, well, see, that's a little odd coming from you. But, But as Christians, we must see God's vision. He has a big, big picture for us to see and a big, big picture for us to implement. Our church, listen, God's church depends on your willingness to seek and find your vision. Your life and what it entails is dependent upon your vision. We should always be looking for God's vision. We shouldn't rely on others around us. We should seek our vision diligently and then listen to God. He's trying to tell us something. We must see the vision he has for us. You don't want to miss out on it. His vision is the right vision. Listen, we should be like Noah. We should fulfill our vision no matter what it costs. We should be as stubborn as a mule. Some of y'all are closer than others there, by the way. Stubborn as a mule. With our vision, and no matter what life throws our way or what others think of us, we need to just shake it up at this beautiful facility. Our church building was built by uh, so many people so many, many years ago. It was built by someone or a group of people that had what? They had a vision. They had a vision of what God could do in this church house. The history of, of how it was created and how it was built, you can find all of that in pictures over here in the foyer. Building this church came to be. It's been around a long time. Now, there, there's been many additions to accommodate new growth, thank the Lord. All of this was part of a vision that God gave to a group of people to further his kingdom. You see, our church building here is beautiful and as comfortable as it is, it's only the dot on the chalkboard. That's all it is. It's just a tool that we use to do the real work of the Lord, leading lost souls to him to receive salvation. There's a bigger picture here. We're just a dot. The big picture, listen, the big picture could be that young couple that might come next week. They're on the verge of divorce, but they come here, they get saved, and God saves their marriage. That's where the ministry comes in, not the building, our children's area, our Sunday school area. These are just dots on the chalkboard. They're just tools that we use to teach all of our age groups in-depth studies so that we can all be more knowledgeable in God's Word. Our playground is just a dot on the chalkboard. The big picture is, what is God going to do on these little lives that are playing on it and loving coming to church? Our new roof is so important. Think about today as well. It keeps us dry from the rain, doesn't it? But what's more important are the hearts that are being given to Jesus Christ under it. 
I love our new parking lot. It's been a wonderful and a welcomed addition, but it's just a dot on the chalkboard. The big picture is, are all the people who are driving into church with all kind of problems in their lives, driving away from the church a changed person? You see, God has given us resources. What are we going to do with these resources? Are we going to continue to search for new resources to complement the resources that we have that will enhance the kingdom of God? Are we going to seek his vision for our lives and for our church? Remember Paul Harvey? He once said, a blind man is bound by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man is bound by the limits of his knowledge, but a great man is bound only by the limits of his vision. Now, friends, you know the rest of the story. God is a big, big God, isn't he? He wants us to have big vision. He wants us to believe big things for our lives, big things for our families, big things for our church. We must seek God's vision, put into practice God's vision, and then give the glory to God for his vision in our lives. As you're seeing vision, here's something you need to know. First of all, mark it down, the devil's a liar. He's trying to do all that he can to distract you from obtaining what God's vision is in your life. He's trying to do all that he can to distract you from finding and practicing God's vision in your life. He is, listen, he is committed to that work. That is his job, is to throw you off track. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with finding out what God wants you to do. He wants you to fail, and he wants you to fail miserably. He wants to tell you, I told you so. So, what do we do? We keep on keeping on. Satan and Jesus cannot coexist. In the name of Jesus, Satan must flee. Well, maybe you're saying, well, Pastor Steve, I, I used to have a vision, but I gave up on that a long time ago. I used to think that vision was important, but I've allowed stuff to, to get in my way. Now, I don't even think I have a vision anymore. Listen, God wants to restore that vision in you right here, right now. He wants you to see what it is that he has for you, and he wants you to help you develop it. Don't let Satan fool you into thinking God can't use you. Because God can use you. If he can use Balaam's donkey, he can use all of us to do what it is that he has for us to do. Listen, God wants to put that fire back into your soul. He wants to lift your spirit so that you can find a vision that he has for you. Don't you believe that today? Don't you believe that that's what God wants to do in your life? Don't you believe that there's a better way than there is right now? Think about your personality. Think about your personal life. Think about where you are in your life and, and the day-to-day -day -day things that happen. Maybe you're exactly on the right track and God's blessing you immensely, but he can still bless you some more. Because that's the kind of God we serve. His blessings are abundant, insurmountable. We cannot fathom what it is that he has for us. His love, his mercy, his blessings overflow us. His vision can be revealed to us today. And he can show you which direction that he wants you to head if you're willing to follow him. So let me challenge you today. I want to challenge you about vision. 
Vision is so important. We've been talking about it three weeks now. Vision is so important. We need to be on a level by now that we're seeking the vision. Maybe we haven't quite realized it yet, and that's okay. Sometimes it takes a little longer. But if we're truly seeking it, it's going to pop up. We're going to find it. We're going to see it, and then we can't help but follow it. We can't help but do what it is that God wants us to do. So let me challenge you today. If you have not been praying about that, this altar's open. You can come pray about it right now. You can come pray and see what God has for you. You can pray about it in your pew. You can pray about it on your way home. You can pray about it at home, at work, whatever the case is. But pray about it. Pray that God will show you how he wants to use you. Your church is counting on that. You should be counting on that in your own lives. It's so important that we find and use God's vision. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe this is foreign to you because you don't know Jesus. Let me tell you, folks, Jesus Christ is real. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't something that's just written in a book somewhere for us to read. This happened. Well over 2,000 years ago, this man named Jesus Christ went to a cross. He was nailed to that cross. Both of his hands, his feet, were nailed cruelly to this cross, and this was after he'd taken the beating of his life. He died. He died for us. Had I been the only person to exist on this planet, he would have still done that just for me. He would have still done that just for you. Now, why did he do that? To provide a way for you to have everlasting life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That only son is Jesus Christ. That whosoever believes in him, who's the whosoever's? We are. We're whosoever's. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish. We don't have to go to hell. But we can have everlasting life through Jesus Christ in heaven. What a day that'll be. And I want you all there with me. I want everyone there with me when God calls you. So don't miss out on that. He died for you. He rose from that grave three days later, and he lives today. So don't miss that opportunity. If you'd like to hear more about that or would like to accept him as your personal Savior, come down and talk with me this morning. I'll be glad to talk with you. Let's stand as we sing together. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed, Oh. Uh -huh.
Thank you so much for being here today. It's been a joy and an honor to be with you. And uh, just continue to pray for our church, pray for our vision, pray for each other's individual visions, and uh, pray that God is going to bless us. We know that he is. Just pray that he'll show us what it is that he has for us. So thanks again. Uh, tonight over at uh, Ted and Bev's house, we do have the study of John. You're welcome to join us on that if you would like to. It's 6 o'clock. So thank you very much. Joe Saxon, would you close us in prayer, please?